This is Adam G. Simon, screenwriter of Man Down and Point Blank. And if you are listening to I Doubt It with Dolomore, something is seriously wrong with your head. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 703 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore. Joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. So I, I want to make fun of you but we ha- we have to talk about this really quick because i just i just saw this oh you're gonna postpone making fun of me for whatever yeah well, good yeah hey we'll postpone get, the terror we'll that's get, good we'll get back to it but right i'm i'm looking at a picture of a a ballot that someone just posted of their idaho ballot and a representative in um congress second district is named pro-life have you seen this? That's their name. It says pro-life, parenthetically, a person, comma, formerly known as Marvin Richardson. So this sounds like, this happens every once in a while, where the candidate will legally change their name in a bid to get elected, because someone will see pro-life and look, I'm pro-life, and they check that box. This That's the thing that happens more than this time? Yes. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay, interesting. I mean, I can't think of the specific moments, but this is something... I mean, it's not like every election. Probably every election, it happens somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's common enough that I've heard of it before. Well, he has a Wikipedia page, mm. and he... Is he an, must be famous. He's a <laughs> strawberry farmer known for his strong opposition to abortion, which inspired him to change his name. Yeah, I wasn't gonna think that his, uh, his he has a, that he has a, a a passion for shortcake. <laughs> being a strawberry farmer, I figured it would be the the opposition to women's reproductive rights. Yeah, being that he changed his name to Pro Life Johnny or yeah. whatever the fuck. Well, you learn something new every day. All right, so. Bring it on. Well, I'm not really going to make fun of you. It's just it's been a fun little time that we've been having because... (laughs) It's been a fun little time that we've been having. You reached a new level of aging, I guess you could say, where you need reading glasses now. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. It started happening where you would like take my phone... I'd show you something, hey, look at this, and you'd have to pull it in a very specific way and angle in order to see what I was trying to show you. Yeah, it's almost a full arm's length away from my fucking face mm-hmm. to be able to see yeah. small print. In fact, I it recently got so bad. I just recently went to the doctor, the optometrist, not doctor, and uh, got my eyes checked, got new glasses, and they wanted to give me progressive glasses, mm. which I said, it's too steep a learning curve. <laughs> just either give me a pair of reading glasses and a pair of, just I'll buy two pair. Yeah. And then I opted for no reading glasses. I'll just go to the drugstore and buy cheaters, I think they're called. There you go. 
but um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, well, you were explaining so, all of that very yeah, important detail. No, so 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 what I would do is I thought, oh, if I just flood the zone with a bunch of light, then I'll be able to read a lot better. Mm. Didn't work. Yeah, tiny print. I found the secret is not closer, farther away. Yeah. Just by chance, I figured it out. So how many years away do you think you are from increasing the size of your text on your phone? Because I'm assuming that's the next I'm, step. I'm very resistant to it. You're very resistant As I pull to my it. fucking face away from the microphone to put my reading glasses on. So, <laughs> so you can read. <laughs> yeah, so what, I, what I've learned... Like, I've always thought, like, why are they wearing them down? Like, Chuck Schumer wears his glasses way down yeah. on his on his nose. Yeah. And it's because looking down to read, right. I, I don't know why I didn't know this. Yeah. So I sit and I read. I'll be reading during the day. And then CNN or MSNBC, the news is on. And when something's happening, then I just peek over the, the top of the glasses. Yep, it's your like new an, thing. Like an old fuck. <laughs> Totally getting old. Well. Breaking down as we speak. You know, it happens to everybody. And you, you've you had good vision so far in your life up until this point. So it see, when I. Count, Jesus, count your blessings. When, when I turned 40, it seems like the fucking moment I turned 40, I needed glasses. <laughs> yeah. It was like within... You woke up on your birthday, yeah, couldn't see, had it, to go. Almost that crazy. Yeah. Not good. You know, I think we do not remember things accurately at all because that's how I remember growing in, in height. I felt like it happened overnight. Like in my memory, I know people make jokes about it, but in my memory, I feel like that's what really happened to me is I woke up one day, tried to put on my pants... And bam, I had grown inches overnight. It's kind of like every year when when transitioning from summer to fall, like we just did. Mm-hmm. One day, it's fucking 89 degrees. And then the next day, all of a sudden, it's 70. To, like here in California, wintertime, you know, it's 70 degrees, not... I mean, I don't know if it's exactly like that, because I feel like we can look at the weather app and see that happen. Oh, okay. Well, I don't feel like you actually grew in a day. I mean, you can feel however you want about it. (laughs) It's reality, and it happened. Well, my reality was I graduated high school at six foot one. Uh Uh-huh. And then the year I got out of the Marine Corps, I grew two more inches at 22 years old. That... To be the six foot three that I am now. That is odd. Freakish, just like being a, a a weirdo who needs old man glasses when I'm clearly a young, spry, <laughs> virulent young man. Right, right, exactly. Speaking of young, spry, virulent young men. Oh my God. You like that? <laughs> How's that for a fucking segue? That's pretty good. Tonight was the second, scratch that, tonight was what was supposed to be the third presidential debate but most importantly it was the final it was the final <laughs> the final presidential debate between uh the the venerable donald trump and of course sleepy joe biden yes and uh a vastly different i i saw a lot of comments online on twitter uh of people saying that oh she was the best mo- so what a wonderful moderator and she didn't do a terrible job, but I don't think we need to hoist her up on our fucking shoulders because the mute button 
And the following of the rules did all of the heavy lifting, I think. You look like you disagree. Yeah, I do disagree. And I I think she did a very good job. And I definitely think the muting of the mics helped. I, I, I want to know who was in charge of it, honestly, because they didn't do a great job. They also job. dropped the ball, yeah. Yeah, Donald Trump would be given 10 seconds, for example, to follow up on something. And 45 seconds later, he's still running his suck. Yeah. And it really, the muting should have applied to the time limit that she calls out. And Kristen Welker was the one who Mm -hmm. moderated the debate, did a wonderful job, but she would call out a time for them to respond to whatever was said. And I think if you're going with this muting of the mics, then if she says 10 seconds, you cut that mic at 10 seconds and, and it needs to be a hard rule because Donald Trump was again, the one that was breaking it the most. Yeah, definitely take advantage of it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I don't think she did a bad job. I just, you know, let's not get carried away with ourselves because she still left a lot of questions um, unanswered, especially on the part of Donald Trump, where he he does his clumsy, stupid pivot to something else, avoiding the substance of the question, doesn't give an answer, and isn't held accountable for that, with, at the very least, saying... We're moving on, but you didn't answer the question. You avoided my question. You answered some other thing that wasn't asked. Sure. I think Joe Biden did that a lot, too. I mean, I found it it remarkable just how common this is. And we've talked about it several times on this show where (laughs) you're almost in an alternative universe when you're on TV. You can be asked a question. And then as long as you start talking and you're kind of vaguely talking about the same topic it's almost like people become bored after a while and forget what the question even was if you talk long enough that's the hope on the part of the politician and and i'm sitting there listening very intently so i'm not forgetting what the question is and i'm sitting there at the end of it like wait wait a minute you there wasn't an answer to the question that you asked These assholes are, they're trained to reject the premise of the question, the very question itself, and then to formulate an answer adjacent Mm -hmm. that they can, you know, ramble on for however length of time, um, seemingly given an answer to the question. I've already seen at least one, I haven't seen more than one though, tweet talking about how Donald Trump really controlled himself and had a lot of composure. You you have seen one? I, I saw one, yes. Uh, Olivia yeah. Newsy retweeted it and said, you do not have to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because people, and, and I, I knew it would happen. I'm, I'm still surprised it happened, even though I knew it would happen. But because Donald Trump wasn't as radical as he was the first time, he somehow gets praise for that. Because the bar is so yeah. low yeah. that he can impress people by being vaguely... Uh, not difficult. Yeah, it's like seeing Jeffrey Dahmer, God bless his soul, God rest his soul. (laughs) It's like seeing Jeffrey Dahmer walking down the street and like, hey, fucking thumbs up, Jeff. You didn't kill and eat somebody today. Good job, brother. Look, the, the, the standard for Donald Trump is so low because of his bad behavior, we shouldn't get lulled into a sense or people, I don't think we applies, Anybody listen to the show, except for the hate listeners. Um, 
we shouldn't be lulled into a sense of uh, him doing a good job just because he doesn't burn the fucking arena down. Yeah, I mean, even aside from that, he he didn't do a good job. So just yeah, be, just because that you true. that's true. Just too. because you're not yelling and throwing a tantrum, I mean, he still rambles on. It's a word salad. No one understands what he's saying or what he's getting at. He's rattling off all of these deep state QAnon, yeah. uh, Newsmax. He spent a tremendous amount of time talking about this, for the most part, completely debunked New York Post story. It's, yeah, a lot of time to it. Uh, Joe Biden, I think, didn't didn't have a forceful rebuttal to some of those points. But at the same time, it's tough to address conspiracy because you don't want to give it more oxygen. Yeah, that was what I was going to say is, um, how do you, other than just saying, well, that's a fucking lie that's not true like if if Donald Trump started rambling on about how 9-11 was an inside job you, you don't like well that's what do you say other than well that's not true I mean you know you can't go into the details of of rebutting every point uh, on the conspiracy theory ladder because it's it's all fucking nonsense well especially not with him shouting buzzwords yeah continuously and this is where the muting of the mic would have come in handy and he was allowed to continue to just like say buzzwords over Joe Biden while he's trying to talk, and and that was that was pretty frustrating. Well, he was certainly, and then we're going to get some clips here, our our overall analysis, our overall takeaways, and then we'll get to the clips. But he was certainly screaming out like conservative buzzwords as quick as he could. AOC yeah. plus three, AOC plus three. You know, moments like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, bro. You're not, again, not trying to grow his base at all. Oh, no. Just appealing to the QAnon dipshits and people who truly believe there's a deep state. Right. Ugh. So the most remarkable thing for me, the biggest takeaway for me, and uh, we did some live tweeting on the I Doubt It podcast. killing it, by the way. It is tough to try to type out some of those quotes, especially with the word salad, but... I'm getting better at it. My words per minute is improving. Thank you. There's no way I could do it. I, I Seriously, it would stress me out too much. I would just be over there pooping my pants in the corner. <laughs> so, I mean, I was almost over there pooping my pants in the corner anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, Donald Trump was asked directly about his history of racism, uh, particularly like retweeting the video of his supporter shouting white power. Yeah. And... How remarkable is it? I mean, let's all just take a step back. <laughs> the president of the United States during a debate was asked why he is explicitly sending racist messages out to millions and millions of people through his Twitter account, mm-hmm. including citing a specific instance of a supporter retweeting a video of a supporter shouting white power. Think of where we are, that that a... A president was asked this question because our president is doing that. Our president is a white supremacist. Listen, I I know I know that there are members of the audience whose natural reaction is, well, are you surprised? Are you surprised by that? And that bums me out. I've talked about it in videos. We've talked about it ad nauseum here on the show. Um, but I'm thankful that for the for the vast majority, I I feel like we haven't taken a, a survey. But I feel like the vast majority of our audience has maintained their outrage at the justifiably outrageous. And that's a good thing because that is a thing 
that should still, we should, what the fuck? We, it should be driving us insane that this is the case, that the country that we live in and our leaders are this. Yeah. This debased. Yes. This ferociously racist and hateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you guys. It it uh, buoys my spirits that there is still outrage out there that we haven't become numb, and um, it's good. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, so uh, l- let me start here. My my takeaway, I guess. Well, first of all, winners and losers. Joe Biden obviously won, right? I don't know. I mean, I was undecided going into the <laughs> debate, so mm, let's weigh this yeah, one. Yeah, undecided please, voter. Please, please. Um, Joe Biden had a very strong finish as well, I thought, by the way. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the argument that Joe Biden is slipping away into dementia itself should be slipping away. It should be fucking decimated by this point. He, Joe Biden um, acquitted himself as you would expect a, a presidential candidate to acquit themselves. Very, very well. Um, as far as just oh, takeaways, Donald Trump seemed... Very unhappy to be there. Like he's, he's wasn't, a miserable person. He wasn't, yeah, very miserable. That's actually more more apt. I mean, it's. It, I know people highlighted this last time when Melania walked on stage to reunite with Donald after the first debate, and then Jill Biden walked on stage to reunite with Joe. And there was a very warm, loving embrace between Jill and Joe, and then there was like a robotic, almost like a... You know, when like you tip your head up and do like a bro nod at somebody like that's kind of what Donald and Melania did when they approached one another. You know how normal husbands and wives greet one another. Yeah. On TV when they're supposed to be looking affectionate. <laughs> right. And it, it's like a sup. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the same kind of thing with with this debate. I, and I they just seem I mean, we, they're miserable fucking racist idiots. We're not body language experts over oh, here. Oh, this hey, isn't speak for yourself this, over there. This isn't the O'Reilly factor where we're doing body language expertise. <laughs> but they seem miserable. They seem like yeah. miserable people. And I, I, I totally agree with you that Donald Trump looked miserable. He looked miserable. Also, and this is you know superficial, but the guy just you're when you're seventy four, however the fuck old he is. Don't you just figure out how to stand based on the evolutionary benefit of being a fucking homo sapien? And because he's leaning against he's leaning against the the the, the podium like he's a, a fucking human tower of Pisa. You know what I mean? Like if it weren't for that podium, he would have spilled all over onto the stage. <laughs> Not something's going on there. How old did you say he was? I don't know, 74, I think. You are correct. Yeah. August birthday. Nope. No? No. Oh, no, that's Obama, August 8th. Uh, wow, look June, at you. June birthday. June yep. 23rd. June 14th. 14th. God damn it. How dare you I not know Donald failure. Trump's birthday? No wonder I didn't send him a card this year. Mm. So anyway, let's get to some of these clips. There were several moments, several more moments that I wanted to include in our analysis here, but we don't want to make this a three-hour show, especially if you've already watched the debate. Uh, I love how you did it, but the first clip is about foreign money, and and the Welker is her name Welker. Yes, she's asking about Kristen Welker. Kristen Welker from NBC. 
She's asking uh, specifically about Donald Trump's money, uh, foreign dollars, and this new Chinese bank account that the New York Times has uncovered. I'm still wondering what kind of juice is going to come from that story, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, Donald Trump does a remarkable, remarkable pivot. Just transparent and obvious and uh, wah, chef's kiss. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. We learned that this president paid 50 times the tax in China, has a secret bank account with China, does business in China, and in fact is talking about me taking money. I have not taken a single penny from any country whatsoever, ever, number one. Number two, this is a president. I have released all of my tax returns, 22 years. Go look at them, 22 years of my tax return. You have not released a single solitary year of your tax return. What are you hiding? Why are you unwilling? The foreign countries are paying you a lot. Russia's paying you a lot. China's paying you a lot. And your hotels and all your businesses all around the country, all around the world. And China's building a new road to a new ga- a, a, a golf course you have overseas. So what's going on here? Why don't release your tax return or stop talking about corruption? President Trump, your response. First of all, I called my accountants, underwrote it. I'm going to release them as soon as we can. I want to do it. And it'll show how successful, how great this company is. But much more importantly than that, people were saying $750. I asked them a week ago, I said, what did I pay? They said, sir, you prepaid tens of millions of dollars. I prepaid my tax. Tens over the last number of years. Tens of millions of dollars I prepaid. Because at some point they think it's an estimate. They think I may have to pay tax. So I already prepaid it. Nobody told me that. Did your account Nobody tell, tell you, you, you that. Excuse them? me. And it wasn't written whenever they write this. They keep talking about $750, which I think is a filing fee. But let me just tell you, I prepaid millions and millions of dollars in taxes. Number one. Number two, I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe, and your son gave you. They even have a statement that we have to give 10 percent to the big man. You're the big man, I think. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But you're the big man, I think. Your son said we have to give 10 percent to the big man. Joe, what's that all about? It's terrible. All right, gentlemen, I want to ask you both some questions. So I I was wrong about the the premise of the clip, that it was a a question about uh, foreign monies, and and Biden was in the middle of answering about how he's never taken any foreign dollars, which I believe, by the way. And uh, Donald Trump doing his conspiracy theory thing. Right. And then it gets asked of him, Donald Trump specifically here, and listen to the remarkable pivot about the taxes. Because Joe Biden ends up asking him, when? You had four years, bro. What? Come on, you, you, what's going on? Quit playing games here about your taxes. Well, before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about what Trump was was referring to there. So he's talking about a new email from one of Hunter's business associates. And Donald Trump there is implying that that statement, which was, quote, 10 held by H for the big guy, question um, mark. He's trying to say that that Hunter wrote that and that possibly the big guy is Joe Biden mm-hmm. and the associate, not Hunter wrote that line in the email. So he's not even right about who wrote the line yeah. in the email, but this is not what matters. Right. And this is kind of goes to what you said at the beginning. You can respond with facts 
trying to give a rebuttal to these lines, and it just won't matter because the only thing that matters is Biden's emails, Hunter Biden's emails. Right, again, with emails. Corruption. Yeah. You're the most corrupt person. You're taking money. All you have to do is say these lines and they get adopted and then they get distributed all over through Fox News, through One America News. Is that what it's called? One America News. Through yeah. Newsmax, all these conservative news outlets and people just eat it up and, and that's all they need is the buzzwords. Yeah. And the, the the thing about this is, is one, he's playing right into the hands of Russian propaganda and these bot farms that are trying to to amplify these messages. But the other thing is, this is a this is a job interview. This is two men standing before America trying to get to convince us to hire them for the job. And rather than imagine being yourself in this position, having a, another candidate next to you, rather than trying to convince the boss to hire you on your merits, you're talking about the guy's suit next to you hmm. and what a slob he is or whatever else about this person's flaws, not about what makes you the best candidate. Right. It, it's just, it's a fundamental, for me, it's a fundamental flaw in, not a flaw so much as, um, it is very telling that Donald Trump cannot stand on his own merits. He cannot stand on his own record because it is an indictment of himself and his failures and his administration. Um, the many things that have gone wrong. I mean, the countless things that have gone wrong tragically from trade to economy to taxes to international relations to domestic, you know, the racial unrest that we're that we're witnessing right now the justifiable racial unrest that we're witnessing right now all of this can be laid at donald trump he doesn't get the job because of it mm -hmm. now let's let the clip continue all of this, but i'm gonna let you both respond very quickly you just said you spoke to your accountant yes. about potentially releasing your taxes did he tell you when you can release them do you as have a the deadline for when you're going to release them i get American treated people? worse than the tea party got treated because I have a lot of people in there, deep down in the IRS, they treat me horribly. We made a deal, it was all settled, until I decide to run for president. I get treated very badly by the IRS, very unfairly. But we had a deal all done. As soon as we're completed with the deal, I want to release it. But I have paid millions and millions of dollars, and I, it's worse than paying. I paid in advance. It's called prepaying your taxes. Okay. I paid in advance. I want to ask you sure. both about questions regarding your potential foreign entanglements and questions that have been raised to give you both a chance Some to talk about this serious. more broadly. Respond very quickly, and then I'll get to my question. Why did he, he's been saying this for four years? Show us. Just show us. Stop playing around. You've been saying for four Everybody years you're going to release your taxes. Nobody knows, Mr. President. What they do okay. know is you're not paying your taxes or your paying taxes that are so low when last time he said what he paid he said i only pay that little because i'm smart i know how to game the system come on great, he did say that great line yeah from joe biden come on now wait for this answer he's answering when is he going to do it he's had four years to do it he's always said it makes him smart to avoid taxes and to scam his way out of paying this is how he answers this is an unbelievably transparent, childish pivot. Come on, folks. So, President Trump, and then I want to get to two questions to both of you. Sure. I was put through a phony witch hunt. 
for three years. It started before I even got elected. They spied on my campaign. No president should ever have to go through what I went through. Let me just say this. Mueller and 18 angry Democrats and FBI agents all over the place spent $48 million. They went through everything I had, including my tax returns, and they found absolutely no collusion and nothing wrong. $48 million. I guarantee you, if I spent $1 million on you, Joe, I could find plenty wrong. Because right. the kind of things that you've done and the kind of monies that your family has taken, I mean, your brother made money in Iraq. Let me millions of dollars your other brother made a fortune and it's all through you joe and they say you get some of it and you do live very well you have houses all over the place you live very well unbelievable mm-hmm. <laughs> that he pivots to 18 angry democrats and the witch hunt and by the way i don't know i doubt that robert Mueller had access to his tax returns i have great doubts that that's even true because of the fact that Robert Mueller doesn't, when you ha, when you impanel a grand jury, you just don't get access to fucking everything. You got to subpoena shit, and you would have to show cause for that information. What is so remarkable to me about this exchange is, in, in the Trump family does this across the board. It's not just Donald Trump, but he's trying to malign Joe Biden for. Being a rich person. I mean, that's what he was trying to do at the end there. For making money, profiteering any way he can. When that's exactly what Donald Trump does. And he brags about it. And he's proud of it. And it's part of his identity. It's part of his family's identity. You had Donald Trump Jr. He tweeted today, My father gave me an opportunity to work my way up in his company. Joe gave his son China. (laughs) Like, what what, (laughs) what planet do these people live on? Honestly. It's it's remarkable. Well, it just projection run amok it's 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 wild it, yeah, it's certainly it's wild small loan of a million dollars all over exactly again. when we, actually we learned from the new york times and even from some of the ProPublica reporting that he was given you know about half a billion dollars mm-hmm. is what he was given mm-hmm. because of the tax fraud mm-hmm. um this next clip is really just just an illustration of how goddamn dumb donald trump is His not understanding, in this clip he's talking about his tariffs against China and how he gave, that he's, he gave our our farmers $25 billion from China, that China paid, not understanding how any of this works. Very quickly, and then we're going to move on to North Korea. With a billion and a half dollars from China to manage after spending 10 minutes in office and being in Air Force Two, number one. Number two, there's a very strong email Talking about your family wanting to make $10 million a year for introductions. President Trump, on China policy, though, what specifically are you going to do? What specifically are you going to do to make China pay? You've said you're going to make them pay. China is paying. They're paying billions and billions of dollars. I just gave $28 billion. New sanctions? I just gave $28 billion to our farmers. Taxpayers' money. It's what? Taxpayers' money. No, no, yeah, you know the taxpayers. It's called China. China paid $28 billion, and you know what they did to pay it, Joe? They devalued their currency, and they also paid up. And you know who got the money? Our farmers, our great farmers, because they were targeted. You never charged them anything. So Donald Trump believes that when he puts a tariff on a product, let's say pork belly, soybeans, and China has to pay a tariff to 
to engage in trade. Donald Trump believes that that tariff that gets charged, that percentage, that tax, goes into the U.S. Treasury and then was given to farmers. It's applied to the product and then the company makes that money. He has just a, an, I wouldn't even say an elementary understanding of economics or trade or anything because it's, it's just, I mean, either he doesn't know because he's a fucking idiot or he does know but believes his followers are the fucking idiots. Right. Anyway. Well, I know I know you want to move on to the next topic, but before we get off of this topic, I just want to reinforce that you are correct in what you said about Joe Biden. <laughs> Your eyes just lit up. <laughs> you just love those two words. Yes. You are correct. Um, there are three words, but go ahead. Proceed. Oh, wow. <laughs> It's late. You know, it's I was, late. So we listened to the debate. Okay. We got the goddamn clips together and now we're doing a show. It's late. I'll give you I'll give you a little little out on that one. Well, I was thinking that it was a, a contraction. So I was thinking of, you know, you're correct. Do, mm. do I get a pass? But then you said you are, so Well, things happen. So um <laughs> Joe Biden. Which your campaign spied on too? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, everyone's out to get me. The IRS <laughs> treats me poorly. Uh, the media treats state. me poorly. Everyone is very upset with me. So Joe Biden has obviously released many years of his tax returns, twenty-two and has, years, and financial disclosure forms. And as far as the media is concerned, there is no sign of any foreign money going to Biden. When I when I say as far as the media is concerned, I mean as far as people that are smarter than me who have taken the time to go through those documents uh, have reported yeah, yeah, yeah. that there there's no sign of any foreign money going to Biden. This is part of why I think it is so great that Joe Biden went hard on this tax issue. And I, I was disappointed he didn't do that during the first debate. So I'm very happy he did it this debate because... What he said is true, that Trump has made more than $200 million in income from his foreign business interests since 2016. That's according to the Center for Responsive Politics. He's making money. and Hundreds of millions of dollars. And then he's turning around and pointing the finger at Biden and saying, no, you're the one who's making all the money. Yeah. While he's saying, why, saying that while going, uh, I'm donating my salary because I'm a fucking saint. Right, right. and who's who is fooled by that anymore? Right, no one's fooled by that, right? I mean, there are people out there who are. Donald Trump, baby. A few. Yeah. Not, I mean, fewer and fewer and fewer as time goes on. Yeah. There, there's a few. So, what was what was the next topic after this one? Well, it's a topic I'm very glad they got to, and it's about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children who were separated at the border from their parents. Their parents subsequently deported, and now they can't find the parents to reunite the children with. Yeah, there's 545 children. 545 confirmed as of now. There may be more. Right. And I'm glad that she got to it. And Donald Trump doesn't take responsibility, tries to put it off on Obama and Biden, does not take responsibility. And the specific question that he avoids is, what is your plan to reunite these innocent children with the parents from whom they've been stripped away? 
We're going to talk about immigration now, gentlemen, and we're going to talk about families within this context. Mr. President, your administration separated children from their parents at the border, at least 4,000 kids. You've since reversed your zero-tolerance policy, but the United States can't locate the parents of more than 500 children. So how will these families ever be reunited? Uh, children are brought here by coyotes and lots of bad people, cartels, and they're brought here, and they used to use them to get into our country. We now have as strong a border as we've ever had. We're over 400 miles of brand new wall. You see the numbers. And we let people in, but they have to come in legally, and they come in through But Maryland. how will you reunite these just tell kids you, with their families, let me just tell you, Mr. President? They built cages. You know, they used to say, I built the cages. And then they had a picture in a certain newspaper. And it was a picture of these horrible cages. And they said, look at these cages. President Trump built them. And then it was determined they were built in 2014. That was him. Do you they have a built plan cages. to reunite the kids? Yes, we're working family? on it very, we're, we're trying very hard. But a lot of these kids come out without the parents. They come over through cartels and through coyotes and through gangs. Vice President Biden, let me bring you into this conversation. Quick response and then another question to you. These 500 plus kids came with parents. They separated them at the border to make it a disincentive to come to begin with. They, real tough, we're really strong. And guess what? They cannot, it's not coyotes didn't bring them over. Their parents were with them. They got separated from their parents. And it makes us a laughing stock and violates every notion of who we are as a nation. Let me ask you a follow-up question. They did it. We changed the policy. Your response they to that? It. We, we did not. They built the cages. The, they, who, who built the cages, let's, Joe? Let's talk about what who we're built talking the cages. About. Let's Joe. talk about what we're talking about. What happened? Parents were ripped. Their kids were ripped from their arms and separated. And now they cannot find over 500 of sets of those parents, and those kids are alone, nowhere to go, nowhere to go. It's criminal. It's criminal. Let me ask Kristen, you about it. I will say this: They went down. We brought reporters. Everything. They are so well taken care mm. of. They're in facilities that were so clean. But some of them haven't been reunited good. with But just families. ask one question. Who built the cages? I'd love you to ask him that. Who built the cages? What's your plan to reunite these children? Well, let me tell you, these kids who'll never see their parents again, they're in the cleanest prisons you've ever seen. That is fucking criminal. Joe Biden was right about that. It is unconscionable that he will not answer the question. That they've had this much time to come up with a plan for reuniting these families. And he doesn't fucking have an idea. Even inkling. He won't even take responsibility for it. Well, and that's because, well, and this is an assumption on my part, that he doesn't care. And I think it's a pretty safe assumption. That's because the Trump administration instituted this policy in the first place, the zero tolerance policy. It was intentional to separate parents from children. It was used as a deterrent so that people yeah. would not want to come into the country. And they began separating families in 2017 under right a pilot away. program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he tried to bring Obama into it. And as far as separations are concerned, experts say that there were some separations under previous administrations, but there was no blanket policy yeah. to prosecute parents and separate them from their children. Here's, here's the thing on immigration. It is illegal to cross the border 
without authorization from the attorney general, is, is how it's actually read in the code. But it is not illegal to be in the country um, without a visa or whatever. Entering the country is the, the illegal thing, the thing that's against the law, not being here. That needs to be understood. The, and the, the, the crossing the border is a fucking misdemeanor. It's like having an open container and drinking on the street. It's a low-level offense. It's not a felony where you strip away your children. You're, you're tearing apart families. Preaching to the choir, I'm sure. Next topic was about race. Asking both of them, do they understand? What's their understanding of black parents who have to have the talk with their kids about how to act when police come and pull them over? And the fact that it's there is no talk for white parents and their children. Each of them got an opportunity to answer this question. And I want you to take specific note to how each of them answers because it is universes apart. Let's start with Joe Biden. Let's talk about our next section, which is race in America. And I want to talk about the way black and brown Americans experience race in this country. Part of that experience is something called the talk. It happens regardless of class and income. Parents who feel they have no choice but to prepare their children for the chance that they could be targeted, including by the police, for no reason other than the color of their skin. Mr. Vice President, in the next two minutes, I want you to speak directly to these families. Do you understand why these parents fear for their children? I do. I do. You know, my daughter is a social worker, and uh, she's all, she's written a lot about this. She has a graduate degree from the University of Pennsylvania in social work. And, you know, uh, one of the reasons why I ended up working on the east side of Wilmington, Delaware, which is 90% African-American, was to learn more about what was going on. What I didn't, I never had to tell my daughter, if she's pulled over, make sure she puts, for a traffic stop, put both hands on top of the wheel and don't reach for the glove box because someone may shoot you. But a black parent, no matter how wealthy or how poor they are, has to teach their child when you're walking down the street, don't have a hoodie on when you go across the street, making sure that you, in fact, if you get pulled over, yes, yes, sir, no, sir, hands on top of the wheel, because you are, in fact, the victim, whether you're a person making 300000 child of a $300,000 a year person or someone who's on... On, on food stamps. The fact of the matter is, there is institutional racism in America. And we have always said, we've never lived up to it, that we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women are created equal. But guess what? We have never, ever lived up to it. But we've always constantly been moving the needle further and further to inclusion, not exclusion. This is the first president to come along and says, that's the end of that. We're not going to do that anymore. We have to provide for economic opportunity, better education, better health care, better access to schooling, better access to opportunity to borrow money to start businesses. All the things we can do, and I've laid out a clear plan as to how to do those things, just to give people a shot. It's about accumulating the ability to have wealth as well as it is to be free from violence. It is nice to hear, as flawed as Joe Biden is in so many ways, it is nice to hear 
a presidential candidate, a man running to be president of the United States, say, we've never lived up to it. We've never lived up to the, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and that they, they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Written by Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. We've never lived up to that. Mm-hmm. But we're moving the needle. Little by little. The moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It's nice hearing someone who represents or wants to represent all of us to say that. That we have missed the fucking mark. Mm-hmm. But God damn it, we're trying. Yeah. Against the, the backdrop of Donald Trump, who wants to impose patriotism classes and doing away with critical race theory being taught in anti-discrimination and anti-racism classes by federal employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I also like how Joe Biden highlighted income inequality in the specific context yes. of race and also highlighted violence uh, against people of color. Two, both things. Right. So I, I, I really thought his answer was pretty good. He he fit a lot of important topics into one answer. Two, and, two, you know, we got 120 seconds. You got to cram it in there. Yeah. And I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Now, juxtapose that answer. <laughs> admitting our our faults and and coming to grips with the failures of our nation the systemic racism that does exist in our country and and likely will for generation um to donald trump's answer the very same question president trump same question to you and let me remind you of the question i would like you to speak directly to these families do you understand why these parents fear for their children yes i do and again He's been in government 47 years. He never did a thing except in 1994. So listen to that. He has an opportunity to speak to the nation on this issue. Yeah. And he says, yes, I get it. But and Joe Biden it. is the worst. Yeah, it's it's he doesn't he doesn't um, expound upon it. There's no it's he doesn't let us know that he knows and understands it. Right. He just says, yeah, I get it. Yeah, got it. Joe Biden. Right. Ugh. Unacceptable. When he did such harm to the black community, and they were called, and he called them super predators, and he said that, he said it, super predators, and they kept never lived that down. 1994, your crime bill, the super predators. Nobody has done more for the black community than Donald Trump. And if you look, with the exception... Of Abraham Lincoln, possible exception, but the exception the of possible Lincoln, exception. Nobody has done what I've done. Criminal justice reform. Obama and Joe didn't do it. I don't even think they tried because they had no chance at doing it. They might have wanted to do it, but if you had to see the arms I had to twist to get that done, it was not a pretty picture. And everybody knows it, including some very liberal people that cried in my office. They cried in the Oval Office. Two weeks later, they're out saying, gee, we have to defeat him. Criminal justice reform, prison reform, opportunity zones with Tim Scott, a great senator from South Carolina. He came in with this incredible idea for opportunity zones. It's one of the most successful programs. People don't talk about it. Tremendous investment is being made. Biggest beneficiary, the black and Hispanic communities, and then historically black colleges and universities. 
After three years of coming to the office, I love some of those guys. They were great. They came into the office and they said, I said, what are you doing? After three years, I said, why do you keep coming back? Because we have no funding. I said, you don't have to come back every year. We have to come back because President Obama would never give them long term funding. And I did 10 year long term funding. And I gave them more money than they asked for because they said, I think you need more. And I said, the only bad part about this is I may never see you again because I got very friendly with them and they like me and I like them. But I saved it. Colleges and universities. Okay. That, by the way, was the very first time that the mic was was muted. Mm. Do you feel as though Donald Trump understands what it's like? (laughs) No. Yeah. Of course not. Right. So he continues to use this super predators line, by the way, against Joe Biden. And he is mistaken. Obviously, everyone knows that he also used this to attack Hillary Clinton. And she's actually the one who said it. Yeah, that's right. uh, To advocate for the 1994 crime bill that Biden did co-write. Uh, Biden did, uh, apparently, evidently, according to this fact check from NBC News, warn of predators in a floor speech in support of this bill. Yeah. So not super predators, well, however, and predators. If, and if it's specifically related to, 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 to black youth, predators, not great. Yeah. Not a great look, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we know Joe Biden's not perfect on this issue. Yeah. And I'm not even going to use the, it was a different time argument. No. Because there are people out there who were fucking right on the issue all along. Bernie Sanders. You know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. Time is not an excuse. For sure. For sure. Um, I, I, this is another instance, though, where I find it comical to listen to Donald Trump try to accuse someone else of being racist. Yeah. You know, the, the father of birtherism and the Central Park Five. I mean, it's, it's endless. Who has the fucking audacity to compare himself to f- Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Anyway, there was a bunch of back and forth on the race issue. Um, probably the most chaotic moment or series of moments of this debate. And then it ended with this specifically about Black Lives Matter and what he's called them a hate group. We're going to continue on the issue of race. Mr. President, you've described the Black Lives Matter movement as a symbol of hate. You've shared a video of a man chanting white power to millions of your supporters. You've said that black professional athletes exercising their First Amendment rights should be fired. What do you say to Americans who say that kind of language from a president is contributing to a climate of hate and racial strife? What do you say to people who believe that those kinds of words from a president trying to remember everything she said, contribute to a climate of, of hate, racial hate. That's the question. What do you say to your critics who believe that's, that, that um, sends people into a frenzy, white supremacists, uh, neo-Nazis, white nationalists, that it gives them oxygen in their hatred? This is how he answers. It was the first time I ever heard of Black Lives Matter, they were chanting... Pigs in a blanket, talking about police. Pigs, pigs, talking about our police. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. I said, that's a horrible thing. And they were marching down the street. And that was my first uh, glimpse of Black Lives Matter. I thought it was a terrible thing. As far as uh, my relationships with all people, I think I have great relationships with all people. 
I am the least racist person in this room. What do you say to Americans who are concerned by that rhetoric? He says to the black woman who's moderating the debate Mm -hmm. that he is the least racist person in the room. Yeah. Well, he says it so much now that it doesn't really matter who's in the room. Yeah, I mean, he used to tell that to to to, to Don Lemon on CNN all the time. Yeah, I don't have a racist bone in my body. The least racist, the least racist. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say. I got criminal justice reform done, and prison reform, and opportunity zones. I took care of black colleges and universities. I don't know what to say. They can say anything. I mean, they can say anything. It's a very, it makes me sad because I am, I, I am the least racist person. I can't even see the audience because it's so dark, but I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room. Okay. Vice President Biden, let me ask you very quickly and then I have a follow-up question. Go ahead. He was looking for a black person to point them out in the audience and say that he had no hard feelings against. I swear to God, that's what he wanted to do. <laughs> That's why he wrote, I can't really see anyone out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. The thing that I wanted to do. The it's lights not are so working. bright. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a nightmare. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, really, the good thing is it's not convincing. <laughs> it's not fucking. I mean, there's only there's very few people who believe this fucking nonsense. You mean when he starts to get very breathy and. Oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, like that's the convincing. <laughs> Seriously, he's like a fucking car salesman. And not a good one. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist <laughs> presidents we've had in modern history. He pours fuel on every single racist fire. Every single one. Started off his campaign coming down the escalator saying he's getting rid of those Mexican rapists. He's banned Muslims because they're Muslims. He has moved around and made everything worse across the board. He says to the, about the poor boys, last time we were on stage here, he said, I told him to stand down and stand ready. Come on. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. President Trump, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to respond, and then I have a follow-up. You know, he made a reference to Abraham Lincoln. Where did that come in? I mean, you said you're Abraham that? Lincoln. No, no, where did that no, no. You said, I said not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody done what I've done for the black community. And I'm saying, I didn't say I'm Abraham Lincoln. I said not since Abraham Lincoln <laughs> has anybody done what I've done for the black God community. Goddamn. Now, you have done nothing other than the crime bill, which put oh God. <laughs> tens of thousands of black men mostly <sighs> in jail. All right, let me, you know let what? Me, let me they ask remember it because if you look at what's happening with the voting right now, let me ask they remember Vice that Biden you treated them about. very, very badly. So, so, well, one, it's fucking hilarious that he didn't get the snide remark. Abraham Lincoln here is the most racist president in the history of our country. Yeah, he had to clarify it. He's like, wait a minute. We can't leave this debate with people thinking I'm Abraham Lincoln. Do you, do you think I'm Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> oh, my God. And then you just, I mean, exactly what Joe Biden did. Oh, God. That's all you can do, right? It's, it's just horrifying to watch. It was so awkward. Well, he, he could have said this. Well, that was some weird shit. You know how <laughs> Megyn Kelly recently tweeted about Donald Trump's great sense of humor that he has? Uh, well, that was she? that was his great sense of humor in action, you guys. Yeah. It's really great. Clearly getting the joke. <laughs> Here's another thing you could have said. And we don't have time for flim flam. I just have all these candidates and presidents, you know, funny little things. Can we take a quick Megyn Kelly detour? 
Oh, of course. I love Megyn Kelly detours. So here's her tweet. This is uh, this is how she views the debate. Are you ready? This is from tonight. Yeah. Donald Trump retweeted it. Oh, my God. Trump won this debate handily. Biden wasn't a force at all. Trump was substantive, on point, well-tempered, definitely helped himself when it mattered most. We don't, listen, I don't need to hear anything about how handily Donald Trump did anything. Look at me. I had to beat off. I had to beat off the phony Mueller report. I had to beat off all this stuff. I had to beat off impeachment. I had to beat off Congress. Everything else. He's he's given handies left and right. We. I just come on, Megan. Enough. I guess fucking she, enough. I guess she has forgiven him for talking about her period. The the blood coming out of her eyes or wherever. Uh, she's water she's, under the bridge. She's a point. fucking another one. She's a fucking female Dave Rubin. The grift continues. Just whatever she can do to try to have a spotlight. Just selling her fucking soul. Yeah. Just dress up in blackface and be happy, Megan Kelly. Shut the fuck up and go away. Well, she's your competitor now. She does have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> we can end the Megan Kelly detour now. All right. Oh, that makes me very happy. Uh, so we're going to finish with this. We were going to finish with the the final question of the evening was to each of the gentlemen, um, or at least the gentleman, Joe Biden. And it was um, in your inaugural address. It, what would you say to people who didn't vote for you? How are you going to lead? And Donald Trump just didn't fucking answer the question. And Joe Biden, he skirted a little bit, but, you know, was a, a more... Um, full answer than what Donald Trump gave. A more on-point answer than what Donald Trump gave. Just before that, though, there was a moment where there was there was a moment where Kristen Welker asks Donald Trump about families who live near oil refineries and factories and industrial areas who are getting sick because of where they live and tying it to Donald Trump's rollback of em- environmental regulations. And what would you say to those families? And his answer? First, I tell you what, let's listen to the question, then we'll get to the answer. President Trump, people of color are much more likely to live near oil refineries and chemical plants. In Texas, there are families who worry the plants near them are making them sick. Your administration has rolled back regulations on these kinds of facilities. Why should these families give you another four years in office? These families are worried that they're getting sick because of where they live. And because of the environmental regulations you've rolled back, making it easier for these corporations to pollute their communities. There's a history in the United States, and there's been movie after movie after movie made about it. Aaron Brockovich Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo just came out. These are true fucking stories. Both great, great films. About people who are dying. Children who are dying of preventable diseases. If not for the chemical plants and the poisoned fucking water that they're drinking. And Donald Trump answers like this to those sick families. Uh, The families that we're talking about are employed heavily and they are making a lot of money, more money than they've ever made. If you look at the kind of numbers that we produce for Hispanic, for black, for Asian, 
It's nine times greater the percentage gain than it was under in three years than it was under eight years of the two of them, to put it nicely. Nine times more. Now, somebody lives. I have not heard the numbers or the statistics that you're saying, but they're making a tremendous amount of money economically. We saved it. And I saved it again a number of months ago when oil was crashing because of the pandemic. We saved it. We got, say what you want about relationship, we got Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Russia to cut back way back, we saved our oil industry, and now it's very vibrant again. Right. And everybody has very inexpensive gasoline. Remember Vice that. President. That's what he would say to sick families. People with children who are dying of preventable diseases because of his environmental policies. Well, they're making a lot of money. Gas is really cheap, though. I wonder what the, the mother and father of dying and dead children... If they give a flying fuck that they're paying less at the pump or that they're making a little bit more money because there's more work for a while at the refinery traded against the life or the health of their kids. My guess would be that they don't care. Donald Trump, this, this exemplifies how Donald Trump thinks about everything. That it is transactional from a monetary standpoint. Everything is a transaction. So even the the number of Americans that he's speaking to when he brings the conversation back to, well, think of your 401k. Yeah, and the stock market. I don't know how many people that really applies to either. I mean, you're talking about the working poor who very likely don't have access to a 401k. Maybe it's not offered by their company. Maybe it's not something that they can afford. Um, there's there's barriers to planning for retirement. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, yeah. if you don't have money, you don't have money to put into something like that. At best, he's talking to 50% of the country. Yeah. And... What you're saying right there is so fucking true that even if you do work a job that offers a 401k option where you can contribute out of your paycheck into a retirement account, Mm -hmm. when times are thin and the vast majority of Americans don't have $400 in in case of an emergency, you, you don't have a situation where you can just be given money into a retirement account. Right. So he's not talking to the people who need the help the most. He's preaching to the people who don't need the help as much. Right. Also, how many people probably dipped into their retirement counts during this period of time with the pandemic to help make ends meet? Yeah, absolutely. Does he care about those people? I mean, just at every turn, Donald Trump speaks to the privileged, which which is strange because his supporters are not supposed to be that, right? They want to drain the swamp. That's right. But he speaks to the swamp. Yeah. I mean, really, it's a it's an exercise in madness. It's an exercise in contradictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, we didn't do a Patreon mid-roll. Um, we would encourage you to consider, if you're not a patron, please consider becoming a patron. Oh, For two bucks, baby. three bucks a month, five bucks a month, you can help support, you can help produce... This program, helping us move the conversation forward one episode by one episode. It's 12 days until the election. 
Make sure that you have a plan for voting. A lot of you, I'm sure, have already voted. Good for you. Good job. Uh, make sure you have a plan to vote. And we are going to be doing an election night live stream. Don't forget about that on, on YouTube. On the YouTube. So look out for that. Should be fun. I don't know what time we're going to start and stuff yet. We'll probably look at our competitors, CNN, <laughs> MSNBC, see what time they're going to start. Yeah. And uh, start around there. And by the way, the Patreon address is dollamore.com slash Patreon. Huh? Can't forget that. <laughs> anyway, we'd love to know what you think. If you watched the debate, if you just listened to this and didn't watch the debate, what is, are some of your feedback? What are your takeaways? 657-464-7609. Of course, we also accept emails. You can email a voice memo from your smartphone or a regular old-fashioned email to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We'll see you next time on episode 704. We love you guys. We appreciate you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.